Well, I want to read, uh, before I introduce Charles, out of Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world. And the Bible tells us not to despise the day of small beginnings. And one of the great stories, I, I love talking with Charles. We have rich fellowship uh, going back to his roots in Alabama, growing up as a pastor's kid in a very small rural area. And he tells me stories after so I'm fascinated by him and his dad being a missionary in the bayou. But to me, Charles should not have been selected to do what he's doing. Not because Charles is bad, but he's just a, in a remote area of Alabama. Why would he go from a Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the remotest parts of the world, and as Brother Luke said, had the privilege of being used of God to influence nations? As I think of Charles, I reminded that uh, we were talking last night, uh, he was talking about his time in Indonesia. And I realize he's been, spent time in Australia and Asia and Bangkok and Europe, all across the United States. And it all began in Alabama, in a very small little rural town. I don't think it's because Charles was ambitious to be some great thing I just think it was God. And God is amazing what he does with a person's life. I, I want to challenge all of us that your children, you have no idea what they're going to be and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. So literally, you talk about any nation in the world and you just, Charles will know someone or he'll know someone who knows someone who is doing the work of the gospel. I don't care where it is. It's at this season of his life, and it's a very special time of my life and our life to be able to hear from him again. And uh, he's been out here. We say this is the 33rd. Got to announce it, 33rd straight weekend in December. I haven't done... I always, t I always tell him, I said... You'd think we'd have a wedding, somebody be sick, you know, something. And however it's happened, he's always been available. We've always been available. And, and so Charles has left a deposit here. And for our guests this morning, I want to welcome you. And I know you're here to hear from Charles. And we just trust that the Holy Spirit's in the midst of all of this. Amen. Come on up, Charles. Is there some water in there? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we're, we're just so grateful to you 
for all that uh, we've heard today in worship and trying to describe who you are. And we're grateful, Lord, that you're more than we can tell. And we ask you to continue to make your presence known here today. We're very thankful that you are here. We ask you to be with our loved ones. Be with those who are persecuted for your name's sake, wherever they are. And I pray that you'll help us not only to enjoy your word, but to live it, to incarnate it. And um, I ask as uh, your servant that you would help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, one reason that I've traveled for many years is they, they always have somebody there before me to say nice things about me. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'll tell you, I, 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 I grew up before self-esteem. And um, I'm embarrassed to death when people say nice things about me. I didn't know anything about self-esteem. My parents didn't know anything about it either. <laughs> and if you ever grew up or lived around country people, they don't know anything about it either. And, um, but anyway, it's nice to be here. I'll have to go back to people that know me, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm honored to have our brother Luke and his friends with us here today, and uh, please know how much we appreciate it. Uh, Luke's one of my favorite people, and I, uh, I just counted a great privilege to have friends, and to have friends that are from different cultures. Isn't it good? If the world could only understand that Jesus can lift people above culture. Everybody's fighting to <clears throat> change the culture, and have diversity, and but Jesus has been doing that a long time, and uh, we need to just let him have his way, and he's taught us to love. I, um, I want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Um, I, uh, I have to be careful because there are a lot of things I'd like to say that I don't need to say, and that makes you wonder, what was he going to say? <laughs> so it helps build interest. And I may say them, you don't know. It's just hard to tell. <laughs> I love football. I'm sad to see it come to a close. One person thought a quarterback was a refund. It's, it's um, <laughs> One guy stared at his orange juice for 20 minutes because it said, concentrate. Anyway, I, I feel kind of like that at my age. Anyway, <clears throat> I, um, enough of that. How many of you like to laugh? Don't you like it? It makes the devil mad. You know, if you don't know what else to do to deal with the devil, just laugh. He was the beginning of all this other stuff. So anyway, I, I, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 10, and this message, excuse me, I'm a little bit hoarse here, um, could have a lot of titles. It's, it's about the Exodus. Um, we could call it Your Exodus. That would make it a little more personal. Um, we could call it The Example that just keeps on happening. Whatever we want to call it, 
I want to try to impart something to you that was imparted to me as I was reading 1 Corinthians 10, the first uh, five verses, and then verse 11, and um, I'll read, well, verse 11 too. All right. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware <coughs> that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. That's an interesting, very interesting statement. We won't be able to pursue it. But Paul said the rock was Christ and the rock followed them. But with most of them, and that's an understatement, it could say with almost all of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, verse 6 and verse 11, I want us to, uh, I want us to give attention. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. <clears throat> There's no way I can cover uh, all that's encompassed here, and I, I won't try to. I want to throw in one more verse, Hebrews 10:35. Cast not away your confidence, for it brings great reward. Cast not away your confidence. You could call it faith in what God said. And by the way, the book of Hebrews is much about a comparison between what happened to the Jews and what it means to us. And uh, I'm not one of those that said, don't pay attention to the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is a natural demonstration of the New Testament's spiritual revelation. And without the Old Testament, we don't really know what the New Testament means. Because so much of the New Testament is uh, a fulfillment of the Old Testament and refers back to the Old Testament, and um, both are testaments or covenants. God's a covenant God, and He watches over His Word to perform it. Now, there are principles here. And the wonderful thing about stories is it's not only a story, but it contains principles that can be lifted up above the story and transport it into your life. Twice here he says, these things happened for our instruction. Or, these things are examples. Now what I'm going to say is, this story of the Exodus explains a lot of what's going on in your life and mine. When I was reading this, 
it hit me hard that God went to a lot of trouble to explain some things to me. And how many of you know some things need explaining? And that the whole nation of Israel is a parable. It's true, it happened, it's real, but it's a parable for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we know the story so that we understand what's going on with us. Because it happened for us. And God used the Jews. By the way, I pray for Jews and Muslims daily, and I, I pray for you in the congregation. I believe that there are things that are important. Everything, I suppose, is in one way or another, but there are certain things that God has ordained to be a light to others. And here God raises up this country, this family, through a man named Abraham, and they go into eventually Egypt into slavery, and uh, they spent nearly 400 years starting out in prominence and basking in the glory of Joseph and falling into servitude in the story of Moses. And these are not just Jews. These are people that God chose. I remember the movie Fiddler on the Roof, which predates many of you, I'm sure, but where it's about the Jews and their persecutions, and one of them says to his wife, chosen people, I wish God would choose somebody else. <laughs> A lot of us could identify with that because at times being chosen is not all roses. I, um, I think, how much does God love us that he would take a whole people for hundreds and hundreds of years to teach us something so that bad things wouldn't happen in the same way? And he says, all of our fathers, all of them were slaves. Slavery is not a new thing. All of our fathers were delivered the same way. Now, you know the story of Moses. He killed a man. Moses was a tough guy. And he was a prince, raised, though he was a Jew, in the uh, palace. And when he killed a guy at age of 40, he, was, he fled into the wilderness. And at the age of 80, I love this because it proves you're never too old to be used of God. At the age of 80, God gives him a word. And the word is, you're going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Now, the absolute impossibility of this should be apparent to all of us. But nevertheless, with all of his problems, and he had them, he was a wanted man back there. 
And uh, he had a speech impediment of some kind. With all of his problems, he heard the word and he delivered it. And let me remind you that all things are created by the word. The word of God is powerful and creative. In the beginning, the Bible says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, and God said, and God said. When God says, things happen and God creates order out of chaos. So if your life is in some kind of chaos, get a word from God, go hear from God, and it'll begin to bring order into your life. A beautiful thing. Anyway, so he delivers the word. You know the story about the plagues. And finally, they start out, and they start out with what is called Passover. The most sacred day, I suppose, in the Jewish calendar. Passover was when the death angel took the firstborn of all the families of Egypt because they had rebelled in all of the other situations. Finally, it got even more serious. And God told the Jews to have a lamb for a house, a family, and to prepare it a certain way and to eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread and to, be, and to eat it dressed for a journey at midnight. They were eat it all and be ready to go. Now, you can't take your furniture with you on a journey. And so those that obeyed God, the death angel passed over that house. Passover. Hey, if God spared your firstborn, spared your family, delivered you from slavery, that's a great Passover. And so they went to the Red Sea, which was a problem, but it became an opportunity because God performed miracles. They went through on dry ground, and they were covered by a cloud shielded from the enemy, and so they had a baptism in the cloud and in the water. A double baptism, the cloud being the Holy Spirit, the water being the water, and it's a picture of those of us who heard the word, followed Jesus, were baptized in water and in the Spirit. This is the type that's here. Now, it happened, it's literal, but it's instructive to us that we're to hear the word. Amen? We're to hear the word, let it recreate in us, follow Jesus, baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I want to use some words. Maybe you can remember this message this way. Salvation by water and spirit. Celebration, and we'll talk about celebration, and then desperation. I'm going to really dig into desperation. <laughs> I know you're ready for that. Um, and then preparation, and this is all the story now, <clears throat> and finally occupation. 
salvation, celebration, desperation, preparation, occupation. Now, don't check the outline to see how long we've got to go before we finish. Uh, I've done that. Um, we're not going to do it that way. What I want to say is that from salvation and then celebration, even though salvation is something to celebrate, and when they came out on the other side and they saw their enemies drown, they celebrated. Miriam got the women and they danced with tambourines because of the destruction of their enemies. That's something to celebrate. I love you know, new miracles bring new songs. And I love Moses' song there. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. The Lord my God, my strength, my song, has won the victory. Salvation puts a song in our hearts and in our mouths. Thank God. Well, we could talk more about the celebration. I've been in celebrations and some big, wonderful celebrations. This is a wonderful celebration this morning. I love the musicians you have. You're blessed to have such a worship team. And uh, I used to dance when I worshiped. Uh, <laughs> I do now, but my feet don't leave the floor. <laughs> I, um, but, uh, you know, I, I love the celebration the joy of the Lord is my strength. I love it. Uh, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those that dreamed and our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord's done great things for, for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. We are, say it with me, we are glad. Look like a bunch of Baptists on early service. Now, come on. We are glad. Say, we are glad. Amen. If you're not glad, you're not thinking about your salvation. Now, it's wonderful to celebrate. I don't want to take anything away from celebration. But I want to point out something that from celebration to desperation was only three days. You see, <clears throat> what happened was they were looking back on what God had done for them and suddenly realized they were in a desert. <laughs> you know... <laughs> the deliverance wasn't immediately from the Red Sea to Canaan. And they, they, they found water, but it was bitter. And they started to complain. Now, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about the wilderness. I guess that's kind of the main thing. Why the wilderness? It's not right. The pastor didn't tell me about the wilderness when he baptized me. If I had known where I am now, I wish he'd have drowned me in the baptistry. <laughs> That's false advertising. Well, sometimes it is. 
Now, how many of you know that when Jesus was baptized in the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him, where did the Holy Spirit lead him immediately? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. Now, why, why the wilderness? That's not Canaan's fair and happy land. That's not, that's not, I don't even believe in it. Well, it isn't popular. I never heard a preacher get on TV and say, come and follow me to the wilderness. <laughs> of course, that's where you'll go sometime. But anyway, what's going on here? Is the wilderness part of God's plan? Why is God so mean? You know, I, 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 when I read 1 Corinthians 10, I went back and read the entire Pentateuch again, all the first five books, and, uh, and <clears throat> because I said, if it's, if it's for me, I need to know a little more about it. I've read it, and it's wonderful history, and it was good for the Jews and all that, but if it's for me, I need to look at it again because I don't want to get shocked. I have been shocked. And so... <clears throat> uh, I'm looking at this wilderness. Anybody here ever been in the wilderness? Now, I don't want to upset anybody that hasn't been in the wilderness. <laughs> I don't want you to leave here saying, well, I guess I'm heading to the wilderness. <laughs> Maybe I need to tell some more jokes. I, I, you know, I, this is... <clears throat> You know, we live in a time when it's hard for preachers to tell the truth because people don't like it. Now, if you don't hear the truth, you don't know how to deal with it. If you get something that's the truth, but you didn't know it was going to be there, and you weren't told about it, you don't know what to do. What I want to do is tell you what to do to help you to get through and realize how many of you know God does everything right? He doesn't always do what you want him to, the way you think it ought to be done. I love Romans 8, 28, which most people misquote, but it's all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And people say, well, <coughs> that means everything's good. God does everything good. God is good. Yes, he is good. Um, but the next verse says, all of that is working to conform us to the image of Christ. Now, that kind of, God is, God is shaping us. Character means to engrave. It means something that got cut out of a hard substance. How many of you believe Christ had character? He did. He had courage. He was serious. Getting that way is not easy. I mean, okay. God says, I'm going to transform you. How many of you know that God doesn't want to make the promised land like Egypt? So he's got to change how we are when we come out of the culture he has to transform us, be not conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, I like Jordan Peterson, and he's got YouTube things, and he quotes uh, Carl Jung a lot, and Carl Jung said something profound to me. He said, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. Now, when you're saved, you have a lot of ideas that have you and me. We're culturalized. We don't realize that we think a lot like the culture more than we realize. So the wilderness is about the transformation process. Help me, Father. The church is good at marketing. We tell people, come on in, this won't hurt. And that's a lie. It won't hurt if you're not changed. I, I, don't, I never wanted to be a minister. I, I hated the thought. And nobody thought it would be anyway. And a lot of people think I never was. <laughs> now, so the reason I didn't like it is because I saw that I saw, well, I saw a small town. In small town, we, we, did, we didn't have telephones when I was real small. We didn't have TV. But you didn't need either one. You saw a lot and heard everything. Now, <laughs> so <clears throat> I could walk down the street and never miss a note on a soap opera that was popular, uh, all the ladies who were at home at that time uh, listened to it. I mean, it was connected. You, don't tell me about connections. It was connected. And my father was a pastor, and we lived in the pastorium next to the church. Pastorium is like an aquarium, but you keep pastors in it. And here we are. And uh, I never wanted to be a minister because I like to tell the truth. Now, my father, I believe, told the truth. But he was a nice man. I wasn't. And uh, I love sports. I love football. I love boxing. I love, well, I love a lot of things I won't tell you about. And the thing is, because I was in rebellion against the whatever it was. And I thank God for survival. Don't you thank God for survival? Now I'm... I'm 82, and I can tell the truth. Now, the, the, the thing is, you know, it's, it, it, I, I, I love the church. I'm not mad at the church. I love the church. But, folks, we got to change. We've got to love people in the world without loving the culture of the world, and we've got to come out of the world. And, you know, he, he, he says, you're in the world but not of the world, but go into the world. Well, Lord, help me get this stuff right. How am I supposed to deal with the world? I don't particularly like it. There's a lot of garbage I don't like. There's a lot of stuff going on I didn't grow up with. How do I handle this? I don't want to go into details. But... I, I, it's hard. I wish I could connect with young people better. I, I really do. I want to. And I, I'll tell you the honest truth, I don't understand. I, I feel, 
I feel like a Neanderthal. That's a nice word for how I feel sometimes. Everything, I have to be careful. I think of another joke. The, the thing is, it's good to laugh. Keeps you from crying. I got to tell this. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the family ran off the road. Everybody was killed. A guy came up on the accident, and there was a monkey on top of the car. And he said, I wish I could talk to the, I wish the monkey could talk. Maybe tell me what happened. He's out on a lonely road. Finally, another guy drives up. He says, what happened? He said, I don't know. The monkey on top. He said, I'm good with animals. Maybe the monkey can help me understand. He said, monkey, what were the children doing? The monkey went, fighting. The monkey shook his head. What was the, what was the, the woman doing? And monkey did like that. <laughs> Talking. What was the man doing? <laughs> Drinking. Yeah. What were you doing? <laughs> Sometimes I want to know who's driving this car. I want to be honest, there's a reason for tough times because without tough times, there's no character, there's no victory, and there is no transformation because it's in the tough times, even chaotic times, that new creation comes forth. Creation comes out of chaos, if you will hear the word. It's the tough time that makes you listen to the word. People that don't need a word, there's no use in giving them a word. If they don't know, they know that they need a word. There's no use trying to, that's one of the frustrations of pastoring, is most of God's people have heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. You've got to think of a new creative way, but nothing really changes a lot of times. Then you feel like you're pouring your life into the entertainment business, which is fine if that's what you want to do. Listen, we're in a trans. The word for the year is transition. This country's in a transition. A lot of us are in transition. And we started out with a great celebration. And now we find ourselves in a place where this is not what we planned. You reckon God planned it? These things happen as an example for us. Now, <clears throat> in desperation, watch your mouth. 
because your tongue is a rudder. James says, the tongue is a small member, but it's like the rudder on a ship. Now, if you know anything about boats, and I love boats, and I've had some boats, it doesn't take a big rudder to, st to steer a ship. When that, that hit me, the tongue is, my mouth is my rudder? Whoa! I have steered some crazy trips. <clears throat> you see, that's the Egyptian talking. That's the way it was. Can you imagine how slaves learned to talk? And they're still talking that way in the wilderness. And they wanted to kill Moses. When they were groaning for Moses when they were in the land, and then Moses begins to lead them out, and they get into a wilderness, and then they want to kill him. They want to throw rocks at him. <clears throat> now, I've got to go. Here's the next word. and Let me just say, wilderness is for transforming how you think and how you live. Because you're motivated when you're in trouble. You're motivated when you're in this wilderness place to rethink things. Or you could die there. Your bones could bleach in the wilderness. That's what 1 Corinthians says. By the way, Paul is an expert on Jewish history. He spent a lot of time with Gamaliel, one of the finest teachers in all of Israel. So Paul, I take Paul seriously. Of course, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But when you, I, I, I don't, we all can tell these stories of when we were here and it was a good place and then suddenly we're here and that's not so good. And we can't seem to get out of here and here lasts longer than it was supposed to, longer than the songbook said it would. <clears throat> and I'm having, anybody here have storage sheds? Anybody? I got them. I could buy a house. We got a publishing company. We got three sheds with that. <clears throat> but my in-laws, they were collectors, and 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 they're not with us anymore. But the storage shed is, and <clears throat> um, and my daughter, she's a missionary. She couldn't take it all with her, so we got that storage shed now. And there are others now. Here, <clears throat> you can't take the past into the future. Now, some of you here, you, this, won't, this won't mean a lot to you, but, but there are others. You, you had some wonderful memories. <clears throat> Anybody here have boxes in your garage that you've moved three times and never opened? <laughs> we need to get rid of those boxes. Well, we've got to go through it. We can't just throw them away. But the birth certificate may be in there or the bank records uh, Anyway, the IRS may want that. And uh, 
you know, just throw the box away. Well, it's my box. I want to look in the box. I don't want to, why well, I didn't know that was in there. My goodness, that reminds me. No, we'll have to keep that. You know, now I, I'll get rid of your box if you'd like to do that. Now, <clears throat> sorting out the past is not easy. What do you take with you? And what do you leave behind? I took a lot of my stuff to the shredder. Even the shredder wants to charge you a lot of money. I mean, a lot of stuff. I, a lifetime. Now, I can die with my stuff. Or I can believe I can be like Caleb. I can cast not away my confidence and believe that there's still a reward. <clears throat> I guess I'd like to ask how many of you would like to see a new season? Does God have something else for you to do? Oh, you, you've done a lot and had a wonderful time, but is there something else? Is there a promised land? Is there an unfulfilled destiny? I've had that question and put in me. Does God have something else for me to do? If he does, or if he doesn't, I want to be a Caleb in my heart. I want to be a Joshua. I don't want to die in the wilderness. Amen? You don't have to be 80 years old to die in the wilderness. You can die in the wilderness at 30. Once you quit traveling, you started dying. So what do I do if I want to get into the land? I want to fulfill the promise. This is the word preparation. Preparation. <clears throat> Salvation, celebration, desperation has a, has a place. But to get out of desperation, start your preparation. You say, but I don't know what it's going to be exactly. Well, theirs was giants and walled cities, but they started preparing. <clears throat> and I, I tell you, I've got great respect for Moses. You read Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers. He was meticulously preparing them for a land he himself never entered. He saw it. If you want to get out of desperation, start your preparation. I'm going to say it again. If you want to get out of desperation, start your preparation. Can you say it with me? If you want to get out of desperation, let's say it again. If you want to get out of desperation, start your preparation. You say, well, what do I do? Well, what he did was 
He drew up the plans for the tabernacle, and it was meticulous. I mean detail, measurements, everything. And it all symbolized Christ and us. We won't have the time to go there, but if you're going to go into the future, make some preparations. Your mind will get off that garbage back there that you had to go through, but you survived by the grace of God, and you were changed in the survival process. You don't think like you used to think. You're not naive like you used to be. And you don't gripe and complain about the heat like you used to. And another thing's happening. God was providing daily for you. It wasn't ever enough, and you didn't necessarily like the flavor, and you got tired of it, but it was preparation for survival. But something's going to be changed in the new land it's not going to be manna anymore. It's called responsibility. He said the land you're going into is not like the land you came out of. The land you're going into, you can't irrigate it. It's got to have the rain of heaven because it's a land of hills and valleys. You can't irrigate it. You can't irrigate it. What does that mean? It means you can't program what's going to happen. You're going to have to trust God, and you're going to want to get close to God because it's full of surprises. And your survival depends on your responsibility now, not on you just receiving the base need that you have. I'd love to talk about that mindset. Thank God for his preparation. I got into the ministry. Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he has. I don't know how to say this. I, I, I believe we're dependent on God for supply, but I believe God wants us to learn how to be responsible and producing and not just receiving, receiving, receiving. The promised land is a land of productivity. I was in Europe and I was staying at a home and the guy was a professor in a university, and he said, I hate that word, productivity. I said, I don't understand because I love it. My greatest joy is to see fruit. Not just to get it. Transformed. Living in a whole different mindset. I'm not a slave anymore. Egyptian ideas don't have me anymore. I'm not complaining in the wilderness. My tongue is a rudder, and it's guiding me to the promises of God, not in some circle complaining. Well, in some degree, we're all on this trip.
We may not all know it, may not all realize it, but life's a trip, and it's pretty short. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this great journey. Thank you for those who've gone before us and showed us how to do it and how not to do it. Thank you for the opportunity to do it just once. Thank you for the Word of God, the, the Bible, Father, that's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Thank you for these, our friends. Thank you for those who are pressing on the upward way. Help us to love those who've stumbled along the way. Those who don't know it's a journey and don't know the next step, help us to help them. Help us to lift them up. Bless this house. In Jesus' name, amen.